Hello, you're listening to the C to Z of movies. My name's Colin on the C. With me as ever is Zijan the Z. Hello, Zijan. Hey, Colin. It's freezing right now in London. Is it? Yeah, I don't know why it's like in Bristol, but it's so, so cold. It was snowing yesterday as well. Was it properly snowing or...? Uh, you know, snow mixed with rain kind of thing. We had uh, we had flurries, is what my, my weather app told me. What are flurries? Kind of that. Like a, <laughs> a, a small amount of snow. Some wind, I think, must be involved. Um yeah, no, I, I, I think I, I got up and um, I'd seen on like someone on Twitter saying, "Oh, it's snowing," and I opened the curtains and there's like the tiny, tiny amount on the grass. And all, and you know just... when it's properly snowing when everyone on Facebook starts um, saying that it's snowing. Although I confused matters by it was a 10th anniversary of it snowing loads when I was in Coventry, and I was putting some pictures up on that one from Facebook. I think that might have confused some people. <laughs> anyway, uh, on the on this our movie and snow podcast, uh, we are talking today mostly about. Pixar films. Yes, finally. After 20 podcasts, Colin, this is the one I've been looking forward to and then I'll probably leave after this. Okay. Well, uh, say farewell to season. <laughs> um, I'm not going to talk much today, it seems. Um, we're also going to be uh, talking about Bruce Willis films. Uh, we've got a little quiz about uh, various films starring Wolverine and much, much more. Uh, we're going to start with the news and the big news of the, uh, of the last couple of weeks, Zijan. Yes. Ben Affleck is no longer uh, directing The Batman. Um, he's co-directing, isn't he? He's looking really? for a main director, but I thought he was helping out as well. Or was I? Am I mistaken? Uh, if if that's true, then it might be an exclusive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've spoken to Ben <laughs> privately on our on our uh, on our phones. On your, on and, your bat phone, um, and he confirmed it. Yeah. Okay. Well, a seat is exclusive. Ben is going to be. <laughs> And the unusual role of co-director. <laughs> um, he's still starring. He's still co-writing, I think. And I oh, imagine okay. have some sort of producing credit. Uh, but as far as I'm aware, he's not directing at all. It's uh, quite disappointing, isn't it? It is. It is because he's been saying for, for quite a while he'll only do it if it's he'll only direct if it's a good script. It'll be quite difficult. I mean, if he has the vision for what the script is going to be like, and he has another director telling him what to do. Yeah. Yeah, there's not many cases of uh, someone who's involved in scripting and acting, but not directing, I thought. Well, basically, one more point why DC will never catch up to Marvel. Yes, sadly so. But the, the favourite, apparently, uh, to direct is a chap called Matt Reeves. What has he done before? Uh, he did the latest Plant of the Apes film, um, and he directed Cloverfield, which, which last time out I described as being a J.J. Abrams film, um, because J.J. Abrams was the producer, but uh, Matt Reeves <sighs> was actually the director of it. I thought we were saving those segments for uh, what Colin said was wrong. I don't. I'm going to claim that I didn't say that wrong. <laughs> it was just just misleading. Yeah, he he feels a bit like a kind of director for hire. He'll come in and do the job that you want. He's not going to stamp his own vision on it necessarily, and that that worries me as well. Because I'm looking at the Marvel. I think the best the best Marvel films we've had are ones where it's been like a a big name director like a Joss Whedon or even John Favreau or um, oh, was it? Shane Black, um, Andrew Pierce, who worked together. Anyway, the ones who kind of come in and they they're big enough to say, "I want to do it like this," as opposed to the like was that the guy who did Thor two or whatever, Captain America, kind of who get told what to do. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, speaking of Marvel, um, oh, yeah. have you seen the the first spotlight to Marvel Avengers Infinity Wars? I have. I yeah. Have. So Marvel um, showed like a two minute clip, I think. Uh, about them starting filming of uh, the Infinity Wars and um, the first bit you'll see um, a segment where Robert Downey Jr., uh, Chris Pratt and Tom Holland were talking about uh, being involved in the Avengers. And yeah. I think they gave a quick recap of the Infinity Stones and where they were as well. Yeah, so they had to throw them together. Um, yeah, it was fairly light on content, but I guess they only started, started production a couple of weeks ago, mm. or three weeks ago, so fair enough. But yeah, very excited to see them all together. Um I think we already knew Guardians were going to be in it, didn't we? But uh, that's confirmation yeah, we if we didn't. But it's nice to see them, yeah. It's really nice to see them bantering. I'm, I'm quite um, intrigued to see what the dynamics would be like with everyone. Yeah. There. And apparently James Gunn is involved, um, I think he's an executive producer or something like this, to, to, to make sure the Guardians of the Galaxy bit is done right. Hmm. Um, and his brother Sean Gunn will continue... Uh, continue uh, acting in mocap for Rocket Raccoon well, discovered this week. Yeah, I guess, you know, they'll live through Guardians of the Galaxy 2 then. So, spoilers. Yes. Although, I, have we had any uh, 
No, no one's died and come back, have they? Like properly died and come back in this universe? No, not yet. Good time. Yes. In fairness, they've not really killed off anyone, have they? They killed off Quicksilver. That's true. They killed off Quicksilver. They they killed off. I they they killed off Bucky, but they didn't. No, but given that one of the Infinity Stones is the Reality Stone, um, the one that warps okay. reality, there may be cameos coming up, uh, and there's a Time Stone as well, right? So yeah. who knows what you can do when you have those stones in play? Not me, not me. <laughs> um, moving away from uh, from superhero for a second, um, well, more for a second. Did you know they're remaking Scarface? Um, no. Um, I've not even seen the original one, so... <laughs> no, in fairness, I've never seen either, either... Well, I think there's quite a few Scarface films, but there's at least two before. So there's a famous 1980s one with Al Pacino. There was a 1930s one before that. In case you hadn't worked out, the 1930s was before the 1980s. That's how that's how time That's works. how Matt's work. Um, yes, but they're doing it again. Um, and uh, apparently An- Antoine Fuqua, he was the guy who uh, directed um, Magnificent Seven, mm-hmm. was going to direct it, but now he's out gone is, is Scarface yeah. a mob boss yes he is right it's not like some mm. kind of um, um, horror slasher film right uh, unless they take a significant change in fact <laughs> I don't think. but uh, r- the rumour to star in it is Diego Luna uh, who oh, yeah. we've recently seen in Rogue One yep so there you go I, I, I have the original Scott well, the Al Pacino Scarface on DVD so one of these days I'll get around to watching do you know it. if uh, Diego will be playing the titular character then I would imagine so mm. I would imagine so. What's next on my list? So, um, speaking of Star Wars, Colin, you like Star Wars, right? I do like Star Wars. And you like queuing, right? Because you're British. Sure, I enjoy a good <laughs> Yeah, queue. do you know where this yep. is going? <laughs> um, There's a no. movie coming out called Lion Kings, as in okay. L-I-N-E, and set to follow a group of Star Wars fans who camp out for four days in LA outside the Chinese theatre. Okay. Yeah, and the reason for their queuing, apparently a Disney announcement that those first in line will get a walk-on role in a new Star Wars film. Oh, really? And there will be a resultant battle between two fan groups, <laughs> and that is going to be the focus of the film. I, I didn't know you could belong to a fan, a fan group. It's like the Sharks and the Jets. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, <laughs> probably not okay. as cool names as those, but... No. I've, I've been to... Uh... To Grumman's Chinese theatre, I've seen the the handprints and all that, but um, I didn't bring my tent. So when you talk about Star Wars and queuing, I thought you were going to say there's more there's more audition opportunities. Well, uh, yeah, I, I the film is about auditioning potentially. Okay, yeah, so it, it it could be me. It could be you. Are you going to go to LA for this? <laughs> uh, probably not. That's quite not. a long way to go to potentially get a spot in a Star Wars film, but. Also, yeah, you're all probably going to be in uh, either in the background or like in heavy costume or something. It's like you can be one of the stormtroopers. Out of many. Okay. Uh, more um, more rumours about superheroes uh, mm-hmm. or superhero film. Uh, Aquaman's parents uh, might be someone called Tamura Morrison, who apparently played Django Fett in the uh, Star Wars prequels. Uh-huh. Uh, but also Nicole Kidman. I did not see... Uh, that coming? No. <laughs> So, How much uh, have you been paying Nicole Kidman to star as Aquaman's mum? <laughs> I imagine quite a lot. And she's currently Oscar nominated. I, just, I saw Lion last week. It was she was very good. It was a good, very good film. Um, recommend that one. But yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't think she'd be joining the uh, superhero world. She, she's not. She doesn't seem uh, like someone who would, you know, need to join the superhero world. I mean, she was in Batman Forever. I guess she missed being yes, a, yeah. a, a sidekick that wasn't prominent in the film. Yeah. And she was in uh, whatever the was it Amber Spyglass they made. One of that those. wasn't really a superhero film, though. No, I'm just saying blockbuster fair. Ah, uh, okay, time. fair enough. Um, but uh, yeah, Aquaman's mum, one of the big uh, one of the big roles in that film. <laughs> I'm sure. That's odd, though. Odd <laughs> film choices. Odd, odd film choices. Do you reckon she'll get to be Australian for that? Hmm. Yeah, who knows? I don't know where Aquaman is. Atlantis. Where's Atlantis? Is it in Australia? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> it, it could be. Although Django Fett uh, was Kiwi, so Timur Morrison presumably is from New Zealand. So maybe they are. Maybe they're putting Atlantis somewhere in the Antipodes. Mm. Who knows? It's all about diversity now. That's right. We need more. Uh, we need more Australians in films. Uh-huh. That's what I say. <laughs> uh, um, what else do I have? Uh, Divergent. 
Yes, I have your to favorite bring film. it up because oh, yes. yeah. <laughs> by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I don't have a lot of news this week. <laughs> it's been a few episodes since I claimed it in the series for your I favorite. know, I don't want And to, then you bring it up yourself. I don't want to bring it up at all, but I'm really running low to this week. But um, okay. you know it's going into T V, right? The That's what I heard. Yeah. But um Shailene Woodley yes. has confirmed she won't be back playing Trish. Astonishing. Um I'm okay. Not surprised though. No, I no, I, I I imagine that she's too big for that kind of thing uh, these days. Yeah, I wonder if Kate Winslet's coming back as well. Oh, I'd, be, <laughs> I'd be surprised. I mean, if I mean, been, Nicole Kidman is playing Aquaman's mom. That's true. I have to do something for my career now. I guess because a lot of big stars are coming to TV now, but I don't think they're coming to TV when it's the fourth Divergent film. Um, but I tell you, who is uh, who is lined up for for a sequel, Sejan? Uh, John Lithgow has signed on to Pitch Perfect 3. That's the big news of the uh, year. <laughs> that is great news. So, I, I don't know. I mean, what have you have you seen The Crown on Netflix, Colin? No. So, in The Crown, John Lithgow plays Winston Churchill. Really? Okay. Yeah, he does. And he plays a really good Winston Churchill. Hmm. Um, really, really good. He's been um, nominated and won a few um, awards as well for his performance. You should hmm. check it out. Um, That's, I I would not have uh, I would not have pictured him as a as a Winston Churchill. There you go. Hmm. Timothy Spall played him once. That was good. Anyway, carry on. So there you go. If he can play Winston Churchill, then why can, not pitch Perfect Three? He can probably play a singing coach or whatever he's going to be in that. Mm-hmm. I like John. One of, part of the girl band. He, he can fit in. Oh right, you think he's going to go for transformation? He's going to play an a cappella singer. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> well, that, that, that's all the news I have. Unless you want to know about. Zoe Saldana's voice work in My Little Pony. Um, uh, let, let's skip that. Okay. Um, <laughs> now, Zijan, kind of about a month ago, I introduced a segment called Things That Annoy Me in Film. And you, you weren't really on board, were you? Let's be honest. You, you didn't... Uh, it didn't have your whole, wholehearted support. Uh, probably because <laughs> I couldn't pick out tropes as easily as you do. Would you be amazed to know that Ali Plum... Film reviewer of Radio One, formerly of Empire, formerly of Warwick University, uh-huh. has started something called hashtag movie niggles, which is exactly the same idea <laughs> that you do. Did, did you start this? Did you start it or did, I, you, I, or did she do it? I, I can't claim I'm the, I'm the first person ever to do it, I guess, but he did it a couple of weeks after I did. Uh-huh. So, uh, that's a he, it's a he, Ali, Ali Plum, sort of Alistair, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah, I, I, I want to know if I can claim royalties at all. You should. Maybe we could get some income to our podcast for once. Yeah. Well, we have been inundated, Zijan, inundated by things that annoy people in films, by which I mean my brother has suggested one thing. He Like, I really can't pick on too many tropes on films. Maybe I can if I think about it properly, but I mean, I just... I, well, look on hashtag... I'm more tolerant. Maybe that's what it is. Look at hashtag movie niggles and you'll find some out. Anyway, Simon complains um, he doesn't like it in films when someone says their bed hasn't been slept in. Because he doesn't think it's possible to identify whether or not a bed has been slept in, which is fair. People, How many films say that? Uh, I don't know. You know, when someone's gone, like someone's gone missing, and they're like, "Oh, that bed hasn't been slept in. Therefore, they must have run away last night, or something." They just made huh. the bed. Um, there you go. He should. He suggested Ali Plum. He's got a wider audience. Uh, I also get annoyed uh, whilst we're talking about this great, great segment. Um, I get annoyed when people in so you've got three people in a car, right? Mm. Someone in the driving seat, someone in the front passenger seat, and then the, the third person always sits in the middle at the back, just so they're in shot. If you if you're getting into a car with two other people, do you sit in the middle seat in the back? No one does that. Yeah, I do that, Colin. No, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> I like to be a center of attention so the driver can look at me through the rear mirror. Maybe that's what it is. Okay, <laughs> I rescind that one. <laughs> How, how is that something you'd be annoyed with? Why would you be annoyed with something like that? I was watching uh, The Open Road the other day, not, not a bad film, and uh, it had Jeff Bridges and Justin Timberlake and Kate Mara. And Kate Mara just sitting there in the middle row, in the middle seat in the back row, and I was thinking, no, you wouldn't do that, girl. Maybe the air conditioning is better there. Uh, I, I doubt it. <laughs> I thought, surely if you, you want to be behind the seat, so if the car crashes, you've got... You don't go flying towards the windscreen, you know? You wanna... Some cars have uh, rear seat airbags, don't they? Yeah. No. Uh, no? Okay. <laughs> well, I've mentioned cars, which is as good a link as any uh, to the main That's topic like the today. That's the worst <laughs> film. 
<laughs> Let's go on. Okay, um, I'm going to put my feet up for a bit because we're talking Pixar films. Uh, yes. In, in particular, we're talking the first seven Pixar films, I believe, um, up until Cars, um, <sighs> at which point Disney came in with their big bags of money. And we'll yes. cover the later films at some time. Now, because I'm not going to be talking much, Susan, um, I've got a little game of... Uh, well, I've got two little games. Well, one of them okay. So, um, first of all, you know how uh, films quite often they used to kind of say um, it's something meets something? Like it's, it's I don't know, Saving Private Ryan meets Citizen Kane, that kind of thing. Yep, okay. I'm, I've tried to do those for all of these films. Okay. I haven't been helped by the fact that I've not seen some of them. Um, You've seen five of them, haven't I've you? Seen, yeah, I have. Yeah, pretty good. So there's quite a huge uh, number of them. Um, I'm also going to be playing Pixar Bingo. Um, okay. Yeah, how go. many times I've said something? That's fine. Let's do this. Okay. Um, right. So, go. Fans of this podcast would know that I love animated films. And Pixar uh, is one of the best animated films out there right now. It's won 16 Academy Awards, Colin. Oh, seven yes. Golden Globes. 11 Grammys. Right. But throughout its history, they're hit and misses. So for every Toy Story 3, there is Cars. You really really don't like Cars, do you? Finding Nemo, there's Cars 2. Okay. (laughs) For for every The Incredibles, there's Cars 3 coming out. Right. (laughs) And The Good Dinosaur. The Good Dinosaur was rubbish. Is that Pixar? That is Pixar, actually. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't... It was awful. It was pretty much a Lion King ripoff. So... As you probably know, I love Pixar. Yes. I love Disney as well. Yes. It's amazing. So uh, let's start from the beginning. Toy Story. Toy Story. Or oh, as I like to think of it, Small Soldiers meets Homer Bound. Yeah? No? Uh, <laughs> didn't it, wasn't it in Small Soldiers they tried to attack the family and with a nail gun? Um, my point is they're small soldiers. They come to life. <laughs> 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 that's one of my that's one of my better ones. Um and home, home and Bound, they're trying to get home. Like in the great film Home and Bound. Yeah, they were going uh, they were going home. So it came out in nineteen ninety five and it featured the voices of Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. Um I'm gonna mark that as uh, as my Pixar bingo, it has star names in it. Tick. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Uh that, that pretty much sums up all of what I'm gonna say. Okay. Uh it start there's um it talks about toys coming up to life. And it's, uh, I think, uh, without this film being the first film that Pixar has come up with, um, it wouldn't have um, gotten all the traction it has. Okay. Because Toy Story was a was a great film. I mean, the computer animation was great for its time. Yes. Because uh, uh, obviously, looking back, but looking back at it right now, it's not as good as like you know the latest Pixar films, but yeah. it was good, and it was new, and um. It just touches on... It was a very straightforward story. As, as you say, it's just Homeward Bound, but with toys in it. Yes. And I guess that helped with its charm and why people gravitated towards it. And from then onwards, um, Pixar just went, went from strength to strength, I guess. So, You've uh, seen Toy Story before, haven't you? I have seen Toy Story. Uh, I think I saw it in the cinema, actually, when I was a kid. Um, huge critical acclaim is on my list. Um, Weird Looking Humans is on my list. Don't yeah, you even say weird looking humans. I didn't say weird looking humans. No, but I did. Um, I, I'm just... you, can't, you can't say the things that are on Bill Bingo list, Colin. Some of these you're never going to say. Um, oh, 58, that's me. Yes. I didn't say it. It's okay. <laughs> that's how Bingo works. <laughs> okay. So, what do you think about the humans? They did look weird. There you go. Weird looking humans has come up from my. <laughs> <laughs> Stop trying to lead me there as well. I need to get these. Yeah, no, the, the, it was. I guess because I saw it as a kid, I didn't really care too much about how impressive it looked. You kind of just when you're a kid, you kind of just think, just see it and accept that's what it is. Mm. Yeah, and was it the first time when big names had done this kind of thing? Because even, even in the huge cartoons like your, your Beauty and the Beast and whatever else, they, they didn't have anyone that anyone's heard of. Voice. I think Lion, Lion King had like Matthew Broderick. Yes. As Simba, and who was that? that Place Scar. Oh, Jeremy Irons, yes. Jeremy Irons, yeah. So was Lion, Lion King was before Toy Story, was it? I, it's around that time, so it could be very, one of very similar. I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think it's '94 for Lion King. But yeah, Toy Toy, Toy Story started uh, was a good start for Pixar. Yes. And then next came A Bug's Life in 1998. As I like to think it, uh, Ants meets Ants. That's uh, which was the, which was the first Ants film? I, I think they both came out around the same time. 
So, uh, is it and the and means and it's it's basically the same thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It, uh, apparently, there, there there there's like a backstory about how DreamWorks came up with ends and how Pixar came up with a Bug's Life. Apparently, oh, yeah. the, there was the same story going out, and there was um, I'm not explaining this really well. Um, so, but there was some kind of conflict between. Uh, DreamWorks and Pixar and people were saying that someone stole the story okay. from each other. Was there a successful lawsuit or anything? Or? Uh, I don't think so but because they all came out quite close to each other. Right. It's pretty much like friends with benefits and no strings attached. Yeah, yeah. Or uh, computer generated and this and, time around. That's right. Instead of Justin Timberlake and Ashton Kutcher. Mm. Which is the one with Woody Allen in it? Isn't Woody Allen in one of them? No, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I know Mel Gibson is in one of them. Is he? Which one? Ants. Okay, I'm slightly hamstrung here by not having seen A Bug's Life or Ants. Um, Everything not. Um, Ants is definitely the better film. Really? Yes, okay. it has the better story. Isn't one of them? Uh, one of them's kind of like Seven Samurai or Magnificent Seven. Um, as in they get people to come and save them. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's A Bug's Life. Okay, in which case, uh, Ants meets Magnificent Seven. <laughs> in, in a sense, yeah. Um, a Bug's Life was definitely prettier. Um, Ants, the computer animation of DreamWorks wasn't up to par yet, so Had A Bug's Life definitely looked better, but the story in Ants was definitely stronger. Okay. In a sense. But yeah, so moving on from A Bug's Life in 1998... What say, whilst we're talking Bug's Life, Mel Gibson, yep. he, he did a lot of uh, voice work, didn't he? He was in Pocahontas. He did. And Chicken Run, if I'm right. Yes, I, I love Chicken Run. That guy likes to voice things. Anyway. Uh, chicken, <laughs> and chicken now direct films. Yes. Well, I mean, he was directing films in the 90s. He was Braveheart and all that. But, um, sorry, I, I interrupted you from the exciting uh, next... 1999. Next, 1999. Toy Story 2. Or as I like to think of it, mm-hmm. Toy Story meets Misery. Do you, um, know, do you know Misery? I know Misery. I've seen Misery. Okay. Katie Bates... Um, so friends. Uh, it's a Steve, the Stephen King uh, novel, right? That's right. Now, I'll be honest, I have seen Toy Story 2. I forgot a little bit of it. But at one point, the old cowboy chappy rips uh, Woody's arm to make him stay, right? Yes, that's right. That's, oh, yeah. That's Kathy Bates in Misery right there. <laughs> yeah, in, in that sense, they're similar uh, without um, all the gruesomeness of, of, that's horrible. Of, of, of Misery. Have you seen the film, Misery? Yes, I have. I, well, I've seen most of it. I, I, my eyes were closed in the most famous bit. Uh, so for those who yeah. haven't seen it, um, Kathy Bates uh, is a big fan of a, of a writer who ends up in her house after a car crash. Um, but she's a little bit crazy and she makes him stay there to write books for her. Uh, and at one point she hobbles him by uh, breaking his ankle breaking his in quite an unpleasant way. Apparently in the book yeah. he, she cuts his foot off. So it could have been worse. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, in the book... It was much worse for a lot of things. Um, I think the way she disposed of the police officer in the book was much more gruesome than in the okay in the film. Lovely. It involves a lawnmower. Oh. Which brings us neatly back to Toy Story 2. <laughs> Sorry, kids out there. <laughs> Don't watch Misery until you're 18. Yeah, give that, give that one a few years. Um. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> but back to Toy Story 2. Um, it's probably my least favourite Toy Story. Okay. Including the the, uh, the the like five minute spin off one, didn't they Which do five minute spin off? Didn't one? they do like a Halloween thing or something? Did they? I've not seen that before. I may have made it up. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think Toy, so. Toy Story two uh, introduced new characters. So introduced um, Jesse the cowgirl, Bullseye the horse, introduced Barbie, of course, Mrs. Potato Head as well. Oh yeah, no, and Mrs. Potato Head uh, introduced the end of Toy Story. Hmm. I have vague recollection of. Um, Maybe not on screen, but when they were opening presents at the end, wasn't there a Mr. Potato Head in that? Oh, I can't remember now. I know the aliens were in Toy Story 1, and yes. they went and hugged Mr. Potato Head, but I can't remember whether Mrs. Potato Head was there. Okay. But anyway, so originally Disney was going to see it as a direct-to-video sequel, yes. because most of Disney's sequels tended to be direct-to-video back then. Sorry, someone's just rung my doorbell. I'm going to go and, uh, see who that is. <coughs> I'm back. Hello. How was that? That's just someone delivering posts for next door. <laughs> okay. Well, 
Back to what I was saying. <laughs> okay. I'll decide how much of this to leave in. Um, yeah, you can. You can leave the whole entire pause as well, <laughs> just to make it a little bit awkward. People will love that. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, so Disney originally saw this as a direct-to-video sequel, Toy Story 2. And back then, Disney used to make all its sequels direct-to-video as well. Lion King 2, Simba's Pride. Yeah, and Aladdin 2, something to do with the 40 Thieves. <laughs> Although Aladdin 3 was, uh, was cinematic, wasn't it? Was it? Return, Revenge of Jafar, was it? I don't think so. No. There's going to be yeah. a lot of me saying things which might not be true in this episode. <laughs> but yeah, this this just wasn't my favourite Toy Story film, probably because I, I just didn't really care for the new characters that much. Okay. Most people I know felt very sad when Jessie was singing her song When She Loved Me about how being discarded by her previous owner and how upsetting it was. I was like, eh, okay. Probably because I never had any, any emotional attachment to my toys. Did you have any emotional attachment to any of your toys, Colin? I still do, Zijan. I still do. What? I, you I have a bear. I have a bear called Pluggy. Is a bear still at home? Uh, he is. He's, he's called Pluggy. He's called Pluggy. P-L-U-G-G-Y. That's right. He's uh, He eats plugs. <laughs> what? <laughs> That's like me calling myself burglary. <laughs> Just, what can I tell you? That's his name. It does, it does, what, it says, does what it says on the team. Um, I have a, how I have long a story... have you had Pluggy for? Uh, I think I was maybe four when uh, I first got him. So yes, he's been with me for 27 years or thereabouts. So I, I want to ask more about Toy Story 2. Um, oh, okay. So Because people people talk about it as being like the greatest sequel or one of the great sequels or kind of one of the few films where the sequel's best than the original. Yeah. Uh, and I don't, I didn't really think so either. So why why do you think people say that? I don't know because, I well the graphics was better. That's for sure. Yeah, that's true. People yeah. didn't look so weird in Toy Story two than they did in Toy Story one. Weird looking um, humans. Um, I guess go. people had very low expectations of what sequels were going to be like as well at that time. Because I think I, I agree that the story of Toy Story is quite simple, but it's a lot more of a kind of self contained, neater story. I think. Mm. I mean. Toy Story 2's got a constant sort of fun escaping bits and what have you, but yeah. It, it just wasn't as... I don't know. Um, I, I know people, as I said, people are a lot more touched by the whole Jesse story than I was. Um, people were more moved by that, but I definitely wasn't. And I have a theory that, um, that Jesse's previous owner was Andy's mum. That, that, a... that was a theory in um, the, the Pixar theory. Pixar theory. Yeah. Do, do, you want, do you want to talk about the Pixar theory? The Pixar theory is um, saying that all the characters in all the Pixar films belong in the same universe. Okay. Um, Ooh. Yeah. Think about <laughs> it. Think about it. Um, yeah, my something um, is something very interesting. Um, you can check it out on YouTube about how all the characters will connect to each other. Post-apocalyptic, apparently. I was hoping you were going to say post-apocalyptic because it's on my Pixar bingo, but you, you didn't say it, so uh, I've had to say it. Why? Why? Why say post-apocalyptic? Yeah, that's the Pixar theory. None, none of the none of the remaining films are in any post-apocalyptic world. Apparently, they all are, uh, or maybe not all of them. Some of them. Andy looks very happy in Toy Story, Colin. He doesn't look like he's fighting for the Hunger Games. Uh, that's just the start of the post-apocalyptic world because it's when the when the toys become sentient. Ah. Mm. And later the animals become sentient in the bug's life. That's the theory, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm recalling it right now. Okay. Right. What's so, next? So, after Toy Story 2, then came, I think, I think what the three very, very good films of Pixar. Okay. So, there's Monsters, Inc. There's Finding Nemo. And that's The Incredibles. And I thought these three films were really, really great. Uh, Monsters Inc. I struggle with Monsters Inc. But I'm saying Iron Giant meets where the wild things are. Okay. So, Iron Giant, big scary thing, and turns out not to be that scary after all. Has a relationship with a little kid. Where the wild things are. Kid meets monsters. Done. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then there's Finding Nemo. Uh, Saving Private Ryan meets Jaws. That's very true. (laughs) <laughs> which part of Jaws is in it it's just because it's underwater yeah it's got sharks and stuff uh-huh yeah <laughs> and The Incredibles is Fantastic Four meets Taken uh yeah <laughs> they yeah. take his they take his family yeah 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 I see that <laughs> I see that so I, I hunt you down yeah particular set of skills he does have a particular set of mm. skills um really strong you've seen all three films before haven't you 
I have. I don't really remember finding Nemo at all, but the other two yeah. I've seen uh, seen at least a couple of times. So why I thought these three films um, I, um, were one of the best that Pixar has come up with is because I think this is where Pixar started to find out where um, its strengths are and that it's, it gives a story with a very strong emotional core yes. and can create a story that's good for both adults and kids alike. Yeah. And I thought these three stories, um, especially like even like Finding Nemo and The Incredibles, they, they were... There were quite adult themes that were being tackled in them as well. And I think that's when Pixar knew it's got a good thing going. So you should probably explain what happens in these films vaguely for people who happen yeah. to have a theme. So, so Monsters Inc. Um, talks about a universe where monsters exist and they go through closet doors to scare kids in our world. Yes. To, as kids' screams power up the monster city. So would you say that it was actually pretty terrifying? Uh, how old was I when it came out? Let me think. How old were we when it came out, Colin? Um, I was in sc- still in school, I think. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm going to say it came out in 2002. Did you find it scary? Uh, I didn't at that point. But I think if you're a kid, and I mean, I know the whole thing is based around kids and monsters and stuff. But the bit mm. where the um, to the kind of creepy comedian thing, which is trapping kids and torturing them to get their screams. Their screams out, yeah. That's pretty scary, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, if I were a kid watching that, that might let me be very horrifying <laughs> if I've seen that. Um, yeah, I, the one bit which I liked about Monster Sing a lot is the end, really, when um, the connection was developed between um, Boo and Sully and Mike Wazowski. So yeah. in the in the story, um, Mike and Sully were the monsters and a human kid, Boo, escaped yeah. through the human world into the monster world and they became good friends in the end. And it's quite a nice twist that the monsters are actually terrified of the kids because if, yeah. if, if they touch a kid, they will um, get ill and contagious. Yeah, I, I like the uh, the bit with the doors when they were kind of jumping between doors and going mm. to different lands and stuff and they get to hang out with the Yeti for a bit. That was a different bit, but the, the, I like the, uh, the bit with the Yeti. Was... <laughs> that was when they were exiled. Who, who voiced that Yeti, Zijan? Ah... Uh, uh... I'm just, who, try, who I'm, just trying, I'm just trying to get you to say the things on my list. Um, no, you can say it. It was John Ratzenberger, wasn't it? Who's that? He tends to, I think he's worked, like one of the producers, but he, he voices a character in all of them. I'm pretty sure he's um, the pig in Toy Story as well. Oh. Uh, I, yeah, it could be him. Again, this could all be... I did this, put his name down. This could all be wrong. I've done no research. But um, <laughs> there's, a, there's a bit where... I can't remember which film it is, to be honest, but they're, they're kind of sitting and watching... Lots of other Pixar films. Which I think it's in Cars where they're watching. Where is Cars two? Where they're watching a film at a drive-through uh, of Toy Story and of Monsters Inc and stuff, and they see them all in yes. car form, and uh, they should just see all the different John Ratzenberger characters and the, whichever one John Ratzenberger is voicing in Cars. Says, "Ah, oh, this guy's a great actor." <laughs> so there you go, a little in joke. Uh, yeah, me. I can't remember where that was. Yeah, but I, but I think you may be right. I think he is one of the um, executives of Pixar. There you go. Um, Possibly, but yeah, I, I liked Monsters Inc. I had a had a very neat kind of neat concept because yeah, it's much I like Toy Story. The, the idea wasn't actually that imaginative in some ways, but yeah, Monsters Inc. I liked the idea of kind of um, the separate world and how they operate, and it kind of fits in with the old stories of kids and monsters. And... Mm, yeah, it was good adaptation. Next, Finding Nemo. Finding Nemo. So last year, Finding Dory became the. One of the highest grossing film, if I'm not mistaken, of, of the last year. year. Really? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Okay. Finding Dory made a lot of money last year. <laughs> that that's for that's a fact. Yeah, more that, than uh, a, more than uh, Batman, Suicide Squad, Batman v Superman, or yeah, definitely Rogue One. Like, like, okay, I don't know about Rogue One, but I'm pretty sure by the halfway point last year, okay. it made the most money. I did not see it. Yeah, but you've seen Finding Nemo, right? I saw it at uni. Um, so there's a fish called Nemo. They find him. That's that's the extent of my recollection of this. <laughs> <laughs> well, done for explaining the title to people. <laughs> at one point, there's a there's a, a dentist, isn't there? There is a dentist. Yes. There you go. You see, I'm nailing this. Um, yeah, and you have Ellen DeGeneres. Uh, star star name. Yeah, voicing Bing, Dory, bingo. and that was probably one of the um, best um, choices to voice a character um, 
her character became so popular. Um, Dory itself was extremely, extremely funny. And she just brought the whole film together. Just just that character alone. I, um, ironically enough, I don't remember her. Um, <laughs> she, she's, she was hilarious, Colin. You uh, should watch it again. Uh, okay, maybe I will. Yeah, well, it's basically about an overprotective father fish, Marlin, who um, whose only son, Nemo, um, got caught by a dentist right. in the Great Barrier Reef. And okay. he went to rescue him. And he learns about, you know, letting go. Uh, you know, not being too um, overprotective I, I, on their kids. I think you're getting confused with Frozen. It's, that's what <laughs> letting go, isn't it? I think it's in most Disney films, Colin. So did it, inspi- uh, did it inspire you to take up fishing? or I suppose- <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> it should be the opposite, right? You know, you okay. inspire me to be a marine biologist and save the fishes from... You know the dangers of the human world. No, no. Um, <laughs> or, or it to, was very to, beautiful. To though. give up fish? Did you stop eating fish after seeing this film? Uh, yeah. No, not really. You don't uh, eat clownfish anyway. Uh, I never have. You're right. I never mm. have any clownfish. Yes. Yeah, it, it, I think um, when the film came out, it was stunning to look at because um, it, the underwater world, with all its colors and movements and all the creatures, um, yeah, it was yeah. done so well. And I think for at that time, point in time as well, it, it stood out by a mile. The the graphics at that time, it was astounding, and 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 yeah. the humor in it was. I I love the humor in it. Um, Dory was amazing, as I said many times already. So yeah, I, I thought it was. If we're talking Stalin's, I I prefer Billy Crystal and John Goodman in uh, Monsters Inc. as Mike and Sully. I thought they did a great job. Mm-hmm. They they were good. Billy <laughs> they were good. Billy Crystal's last good film. I Mike think. Wazowski. Oh. Poor Billy Crystal. Okay, um, so The Incredibles. You like The Incredibles, I know you do. I do, I'd say this is probably my favourite uh, Pixar film, actually, The Incredibles. Of all time? Uh, yes, I'm going to say yes. So why do you like The Incredibles so much? Um, I think, again, it's a good concept. I think this idea of this, uh, it's a superhero family, but it's a bit like Civil War in some ways, isn't it? There's kind of been a, civil uh, superheroes have been banned, effectively, so they've got to go about their daily lives. Um I guess yeah, the standard um, alter ego, but they're not allowed to be superheroes anymore, so they kind of sneak off and, and do some superheroing every now and again. So I think as a, as a setup, that's a nice idea. And it's a good superhero family. So you've got Craig T. Nelson as Mr. Incredible, and uh, it's Holly Hunter, isn't it, as his, as his wife? Yeah. the three kids. Uh, yeah, and it's, again, very amusing. So the, the young kid that grows up to be their arch nemesis, he's, I love his, his uh, things about monologuing, yeah. he does and uh, the idea about yeah, superheroes wearing capes and you get lots of a montage of them being caught up in uh, aeroplane engines and things like that that's, that's fine <laughs> I like that it focuses a lot on the family aspect of it rather than only the superhero aspect of it yeah 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 and how a family comes together in the end to, to overcome whatever challenges they have it's, that's heartwarming that is it is it, uh, that's what Pixar does best Really. And it's got Incredibles to, 2 is coming out anyway. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, it's been a long while. <laughs> I've been to see yeah, whether they, how many years down the line they set it. Because they, they got Jack Jack was was the uh, was the kid, wasn't it? Who Jack Jack Pa seemed to uh, have every single power there is. Um, <laughs> he, he's just learning, isn't he? He's just growing up, so he doesn't know what he wants to be yet. Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson's in that film, isn't he? He is as Frozen. He's, he likes making a big money film. He likes a, blo- he likes a blockbuster, does Samuel L. Jackson. At least he doesn't monologue here. No. No, he doesn't know that much to do, does he? Oh. <laughs> yeah, so I'm really looking forward to Incredibles 2. I think it's coming out next year. If we're not oh, is it? Excellent. They've, yeah. managed to, they've managed to find a gap in Craig T. Nelson's calendar, have they? That's, Possibly, yeah. That's Between good. Cars 3 and Cars 4. Uh, is there a Cars 4? <laughs> no, I hope not. Which brings me to Cars. Doc Hollywood meets Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Yeah. Can we not talk about this? I don't want to talk about this. This is the only film by Pixar that I've seen. Well, I've not seen Cars 2, yeah. So this is the only film by Pixar that I've seen on the TV rather than in a movie screen. Okay. And it's only because, um, first of all, I don't really care too much about Cars. Yes. Uh, I don't watch Top Gear. Um I know a lot of people like Top Gear, but I don't care about Top Gear. So cars do absolutely nothing for me. Okay, that's the first thing. And after seeing it on um, the uh, on TV, it just isn't 
a great film. So it's um, I, I haven't seen it, but I'm told the plot line is the same as Doc Hollywood, which I've seen several times. Uh, so um, big city car learning small town ways is that the yeah yeah is that the gist? yeah, Owen, yeah that's it. Owen Wilson isn't it yeah yeah I, I I've not seen it I've not seen Cars two I've not seen Planes. Is there a Planes 2? No, there's no Planes 2. But the only mm. reason why uh, Pixar is doing so many of these films, even though they aren't their best, um, compared to like The Incredibles, is just because it's quite a big money-making machine. Yeah. They can sell all those mini models of oh, cars. They okay. can't really sell too many so, Incredible toys. Uh, Masters of Merchandise is on my my, my uh, Pixar bingo. Um, <laughs> Have you got a bingo yet? Because we're almost done. Um, the only one that we haven't covered yet, I think, is Dubious Moral Message. Um, dubious moral message in what well you know they, they sometimes the, the message seems to be slightly slightly odd um, there seems to be the way they treat the bad guys I always mm-hmm. think there doesn't seem to be much in the way of forgiveness in Pixar films it tends to be a kind of um, they get what's coming to them that, that, mm. that, that. so um, I know it's not on our list now the, the one I always think of Toy Story 3 where they got the the bear uh, it, rather than a kind of he learns the error of his ways and becomes friends, they gets he gets tied to the front of a garbage truck, uh, and that and uh, I think in Monsters Inc. the the baddie chameleon guy, something got caught by the police. Yeah, I'm sure something pretty bad. They made him do something. Oh, bad. oh yeah, the, the the chameleon guy um was uh, mistaken for alligator in Florida. Right, he was beaten up with a stick. There you go. You see, well, it's uh, so that that's my 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 issue with the moral messages of Pixar. Well, there's no, uh, there's no forgiveness. Some of them, not all of them. Not all of them. I'm, I'm so Pixar. There's no songs. Why, why are there no? Uh, I'm sure you love a Pixar musical, Zijan. Uh I think I'm okay without one. Okay. Um, I, I think they have good soundtracks though. Like, I think yeah. the soundtrack for The Incredibles was really good, with all the the jazzy, um, jazzy stuff with okay. the trumpets and all those. It was amazing. Um, it's one of my favorite soundtracks. And of course, uh, of course, you've got uh, you've got a friend in me from Toy Story. From Toy Story, when she loved me from Toy Story Two. Yeah. But yeah, I I don't really watch <laughs> uh, animated films solely for the music, even no. though they are okay. good. Yeah, but uh, Pixar can do without them. They they have got good enough graphics and story and heart to have a good film without having music. So how long does it take to make a film? Do you reckon a Pixar film? <sighs> Must be a while, right? Because so Toy Story one came out in nineteen ninety five, and A Bug's Life came in nineteen ninety eight. So I assume okay. that it was three years because they weren't sure yet. Okay. About how it's going to be like, and then once they were sure, they can just churn out film after film. That, after that's film. a bit shorter than I thought, because I think for some of the reason, like when there's such a massive gap between Toy Story two and three, say, I thought some of the reason because like, once we said fine, we're going to make Toy Story three. Let's say it's three years, but I thought it'd probably be. A- bit more than that maybe um, just such a huge gap between deciding to do it and actually getting around to making it and then the because the, the, when the voice cast comes in i guess that's pretty much one of the last things they do i would have thought i'm always curious on how um people do the voices in animated films like do they do they see what it's like on screen first when they voice it or i can't remember how they did i think yeah I've... so maybe it's one of the first things i've done because um i'm sure i've seen it done both ways so you get people just dubbing what's already there or you get so I think I was on The Simpsons I've seen that they, they kind of they they voiced it and then they put cartoon over it afterwards I think mm. but I guess if you're dubbing it into another language say, then obviously you're going to have to you're going to have to do it on top of something that already exists so it must be possible yes, what, what I always true. find strange is how rarely they're in the same place as each other I thought if you want to get a decent performance bouncing off each other you'd want to get at least two or three actors together at a time mm. But quite a lot of these yeah. things. Yes, yeah. Tom Hanks will come and do all his lines, and then Tim Allen will do all his lines a bit later. And you think, that's got to be a very strange way of doing things. Well, they are actors, right? So they should be used to doing this. Well, they can they can do it, but I think when when they're acting uh, in a live action film, mm. yeah, even if the other person isn't on screen at the same time, you'll quite often have them come in to do the lines off camera or something like that, because just so you can get that connection. And it feels odd to me that um, that you wouldn't want to do that in an animated film. There you go. So uh, it, you've not. You've not entirely won me over to the Pixar cause. There's the, I, it's it's fine. I I I tend not to bother watching them in the cinema. I think I, I saw I saw The Incredibles in the cinema actually. Well, uh, that was a, Are you going to watch The Incredibles two in the cinema? 
I might well do. I might well do. Mm. Well, having said that, it could be one of those films I say I'm going to and then I don't. Uh, <laughs> much like Lego Batman this week, which I have not bothered seeing, uh, despite looking forward to well, it for a while. Even if I didn't win you over, I'm quite glad to be able to talk about it. I love Pixar. You do love Pixar. Um, and we have lots more Pixar films we can talk about uh, some other time, which exactly. is great news for you. Um, but it's uh, not going to be soon necessarily. So that's your Pixar fill for a while. Mm-hmm. Great. Uh, good good times. Uh, let's move on to Actor Factor. Hey. This time, uh, your choice is, and you're going for Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis. I was quite surprised by the amount of quality films I've seen with Bruce Willis in it. He's okay. done some really good films. And I'm very glad of it. Well so done, I've Bruce. Seen... Season's a fun. Seven, eight, nine, ten. I've seen ten films. I've seen, I've seen twenty-three films with him in. And Jeez, a, no wonder. Okay, you've probably I, seen some bad films. And too. a lot of them are not good. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should stop seeing so many films, Colin. Uh, no, uh, four of them. He's he's not credited in. Weirdly, which ones are they? The Expendables, um, Ocean's Twelve. Uh, Loaded Weapon 1 and The Verdict uh, I've heard of the last two before So the, the Verdict, I think he was only uncredited because he was basically just no one knew him at that point he was very young um, I only found out he was in that because of IMDB um, Loaded Weapon 1 I think is actually great great fun, I recommend that one uh, If it's uh, it's a par- it's one of these kind of spoof films like your Naked Guns or whatever else but it's a pretty much direct spoof of um, Lethal Weapon and uh, stars Samuel L. Jackson and Emilio Estevez. But mm. it, uh, Bruce Willis at one point, he, he only has one scene, uh, so it's uncredited. Uh, people blow up his house and he comes out and yells at them. <laughs> some of his, some <laughs> of his finest work. Um, I've also got two films where he plays himself, so including Ocean's 12, where he played himself. Um, have you seen Ocean's 12? I've seen Ocean's 12, where Julia Roberts played Julia Roberts as well. That's right. Well, Julia Roberts is playing someone who looks like Julia Roberts. Yes, and she had to pretend to be Julia Roberts. To Bruce Willis. I think that's, yes. I, I don't know whether I love that or I think it's terrible. I think, <laughs> I think maybe maybe both. Um, They're so meta. Uh, he also plays himself in the uh, end of the film called The Player, which is kind of it's pretty good. It's, um, Tim Robbins, it's kind of a very dark comedy about uh, writing in Hollywood. But he's, he's, Tim Robbins has kind of written this, no, he's an agent. There's this, someone's written a film that um, where they want it to be kind of very serious, fair. They always oh, don't, don't want to make it really, really Hollywood. And then, like the last scene you see is Bruce Willis and Julie Roberts, in fact, um, making the very Hollywood version of this film. So it's okay. Quite amusing. So what? Uh, what what's what's the great films on your list? Ah, uh, okay. So I have the Fifth Element. Okay. Yeah. Which I do like a lot. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just good campy fun. And it's one of those films that if I see it playing on TV, I I, I wouldn't hesitate at watching it again. I just like rewatching it. It's very rewatchable for me, at least. I have seen it I once. I do not wish to see it again. <laughs> why not? It's just so funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay. and I don't know. It's just a very. It's just good, can be fun. And fair enough. Okay. Yeah, I just like that. Uh, and um, what else is that? I have the Sixth Sense. That is a good film, yeah, yeah. Um, that is a very good film. I can't remember whether I knew about the twist before I've seen the film. In, in the, on the off chance, there's anyone listening who hasn't heard the twist. Let's let's keep it quiet for now. But. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't know whether I knew about it before then. But it was a great film, very good um, acting. Yeah, because uh, he he, I think I don't watch a lot of the ones that he does like this. But I think he does too many kind of. He just turns up and plays an action hero, and just really phones it in. So when when he does stretch himself a bit, so yeah, things like uh, Sixth Sense or before that, uh, Pulp Fiction or, or tw- I didn't really like Twelve Monkeys that much, but w- what he was doing in that was a, a bit of a, more of a stretch for him. It's a shame that when he then just turns up in like um, what was he in uh, GI Joe Rise of Cobra like that kind of thing. I think he's clearly just yeah, he doesn't care. You clearly watch too many films, Colin. In fairness, I've not seen that one, but it looked terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have seen The Expendables and The Expendables 2, both of which he's in and both of which are bad. Um, but I do agree, yeah. The the, the sixth sense with him playing um, the, the psychologist, he was really good. He was subdued. He was not an action hero. Hmm. I actually yeah. preferred uh, Unbreakable. I don't know if you've seen that I one. I like Unbreakable yeah. as well. 
same director as Mike Shyamalan. Um, when he was actually good and relevant. Well, people people are liking the film Split, apparently. Um, oh, the one with James McAvoy. Yeah, yeah. Um, you, you haven't seen that one? No, I've not no. seen it yet. Spoilers for Split. So if you don't want to hear about Split, uh, move on. But um, turns out in the post-credit scene, it's set in the same universe as Unbreakable, and Bruce Willis turns up in the post-credit scene. Ooh, okay. Uh, kind of him saying, oh, we've got this guy that you need to chase down. So uh, rumour is, well, in fact, more than just a rumour, it's the intention is to make another Unbreakable film, basically, um, with un- uniting these two films. So, uh, I do like Unbreakable anyway, so I have no problems with that. Yeah, I'd watch uh, I'd watch the next one. Um, uh, how is some of those comedies? So we did uh, uh, The Kid. I quite enjoyed The Kid. It's uh, Bruce Willis... Um, Basically, he, he discovers this kid in his house and it turns out to be him from the past. He's come to see him. Okay. And uh, that's good fun. It's got Emily Mortimer as his girlfriend. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a fairly light and fluffy Disney film. But I enjoyed it. He also did uh, Red and Red 2. They were kind of comedy action things, which, yep. I, again, good fun. Um, what about Looper? We've probably talked about Looper in our time travel episode back in the day. Yeah, we did. And yeah, we talked about how much Joseph Gordon-Levitt looked like Bruce Willis. Yes, did a fine job. <laughs> I, I didn't love that film. I think it had great, great potential and didn't quite live up to it. Which... He has good moments, but yeah, I agree with you on that as well. It's, it was decent. Because Ryan Johnson, the director of that, he, he's made three films, I think, uh, Brick and The Brothers Bloom. I've, I've seen all of them and they're all got great potential and don't quite pay off in the way I was hoping. So, and he's doing the next Star Wars film. So um, I think he's, yeah, I think he, he's got potential to be a great director, but none of those two have quite done it for me yet. Mm. They're all very different though. Very, very, very different films. So it's, I've not seen has, any other two. Yeah, so, I mean, Brick is basically um, Maltese Falcon set in a high school. It's all a bit... Okay. Uh, it's a bit odd. Obviously you've seen, seen Looper and um, Brothers Bloom is a kind of, it's like a, a bit like Hustlers, so kind of like con man type thing, but um, these brothers who are con men and they meet up with this 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 girl. Um, and then one of these kind of pulls the rug out from your feet every every ten minutes. Um, yeah, also very diverse range of films, so it's good to see him mm. stretching himself. But uh, any bad ones on the list? Uh, I have Origins Twelve, but <laughs> okay, yeah, but that's probably the the least fair one out of the rest. Um, um, everything else I quite like. I've seen Moonrise Kingdom. He was in it as well. Right. Um, have you seen Moonrise Kingdom? No, it's Wes Anderson, isn't it? That's Wes Anderson film. Mm. Um, yeah, and it's just, yeah, I love that film a lot. Uh, and I watch Sin City as well. Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. I enjoyed well. that. I thought, yeah, it's, it's quite dark, obviously. Uh, but it's very, very um, comic book stars. It's black, black and white with your occasional flashes mm. of red and stuff. Um yeah, so and your favorite Gilmore girl is in it as well. Really? Yeah, Alexis Bledel. Was she really? Okay. Yeah, she was. She played a prostitute. Well, there you go. And the you know the color palette that they have, right? Everything's yeah. black and white apart from two. Yeah, her her blue eyes were in blue. Ah. Well, yeah. No, I I for those of you who don't know me, I've recently uh, started watching and completely love the Gilmore Girls. But I d- it's a great TV series. It's one. It's wonderful, isn't it? But I, I hadn't started watching it when I seen Sin City, so I didn't make the connection. Don't um, watch the last season, Colin. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Do you think I should actually just literally not watch it at all? Yeah, just don't watch it. Wow. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's also the whole nine yards, which I enjoyed. I'm a Matthew Perry fan. That was one of his better films. Um, not saying much, but uh, I'd say my the worst film on this list. For me and uh, 23 films to choose from and there's quite a few quite a few bad ones um yeah. it, it's either one of the expendables films or die hard four okay. or the okay. whole t- the whole 10 yards i'm gonna have to go with the whole 10 yards um <laughs> this nonsense so many sequel. to choose from colin yeah spoil for choice um but the best one i might say unbreakable actually what's, what's your what's your favorite on there oh that's cool I like the Sixth Sense a lot. There you go. And Moonrise Kingdom. Moonrise Kingdom is really good. Okay. I've got Armageddon on here. That's a bad film. Um, <laughs> I think it might be the only... It's a good soundtrack, though. It's got a great soundtrack. Wonderful soundtrack. Might be the only Michael Bay film in my collection. Um, right. Uh, next time on Actor Factor, I'm giving you a choice, Dijon. Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. More choices. 
mm. partly because I, I, there's a possibility that you've not seen any films of one of these people. Um, I, <laughs> so uh, still Oscar season. So I was thinking either Jeff Bridges, who was nominated for an Oscar, uh, or Hugh Grant, who should have been but wasn't. So which of those would you like to do? Ooh, have I seen many Jeff Bridges films before? I thought That's I thought perhaps I, my my thinking was perhaps you might not have done so. Uh, I may have. Oh, let's do Hugh Grant then, just in case. Hugh Grant, but you, you can check out yeah. Jeff Bridges some, for some other time. I will check out Jeff Bridges and we can talk about it next time. If you want. There you go. Um, this seems as good a time as any to mention uh, our recurring recasting segment. So every now and again, we we talk about recasting the roles if there's a film that's being remade. Uh, and this time it's Back to the Future. So, your favorite film? My favorite film. Uh, of all time. Of all time. Very good, very good pun there on time. Um, if you're ready, Zidane, for two weeks' time. Yep. Uh, if you're not, then, well, you had two weeks to work on it. Um, <laughs> recasting Back to the Future with uh, Doc Brown and, and Martin McFly. Okay. Um, listeners, let us know your thoughts on who should play those roles. Uh, we are c2zofmovies at gmail.com. We're on Twitter at c2zofmovies. I'll be putting it on Facebook if you know me. Um if you see Zijan in the street, stop him and tell him who you think should play those roles, and we'll discuss it next time. Um, yeah, try not to stop me at inopportune moments. Yeah, make sure he's not running away from a criminal or something. Yeah. Uh, all of which brings us on to our famous last segment, the quiz, and this time it's on films starring Wolverine. Yes. Go first, Zijan, go first. Okay, question one. In which U.S. states is Xavier's mansion and school for mutants located? Ooh, that's a good question that I am fairly confident I can't answer. Um, I'm trying to picture any any landmarks around it. Um, it feels to me like it's in Connecticut. That's <laughs> so random. <laughs> <laughs> it's in New York. I always said New York, New York, because of the climax of the first film being in New York. Yeah, in the Statue of Liberty. I just thought maybe they maybe they gone on a road trip. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I should have got that, but I didn't. Okay, um, question one for you. According to a line in X Men, what happens to a toad when it's struck by lightning? Ah, uh, uh, Storm says this. Yes. Ah, uh, just before <laughs> she threw toad out of the. Statue of Liberty. That's correct. <laughs> These two toads when they <sighs> No, I can't remember why was it. Uh, the same thing that happens to everything else. Of course. There you go. Okay, question two. In Acts 2, what did Storm summon inside Cerebro to free Xavier from mind control? I feel the answer is going to be too... The answer of a storm is too obvious. Um... <laughs> a little bit. What did she summon to free him? Uh, some sort of stormy weather. <laughs> <laughs> Say your answer, Colin. <laughs> um, a cyclone. No, she summoned the snowstorm. Did she really? She made it really, really cold there. It's, it's around this time I usually admit that I've done no research. Um, question two for you. You remember that line I said from question one? Yeah. Who wrote it? Who wrote it? Yeah. Is it the director, Brian Singer? No, it was Joss Whedon. Oh. He was involved in uh, some script work on uh, X-Men. Yeah, yeah. I'm not surprised. Apparently that line got got a lot of uh, heat. People hated that line. It was kind of goes down to one of the worst lines in film. (laughs) I I, I thought it was all right. Mm, Anyway, okay, we're we're doing well. Okay, We're doing well so far, compared to our previous quiz. Zero all. Okay. Question three. This should, be, uh, this should give you a point. Name two of the three mutants rescued by Magneto from the mobile prison in X-Men The Last Stand. Oh, boy. Um, he rescued mutants from there, remember? I, he I, flipped I, the truck over. I, I remember the scene. I remember that he went to rescue Mystique, but then when she turned out to lose her powers, he just abandoned her. I'm going to say uh, Juggernaut. Yep. Um, Who technically isn't a mutant in the comic books. Okay, but in the film, he definitely is a... He was, yeah. Um, who else was in there? Do, do you need their actual names, or can I just describe no, no. what they do? <laughs> Fine, um, Colin. There's, there's the one who turns into like a dozen people. Yep. Multiple men. That's the one. 
You give yeah, me that? Yeah, you get half a point. Yeah, yeah, one point. One, you're, you're a generous man. Um, question three for you. According to X-Men Origins Wolverine, who is the first person that Wolverine kills? And, and to, to, to give you a slight clue, um, when I say Wolverine, he, he wasn't necessarily called Wolverine at that point. Um, yeah. Was it his father? It was. In fact, it was the groundskeeper, Thomas Logan, who turned out to be his real father. Mm. Like, like, yeah, good work. Why not? Okay, question four, which is um, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Okay. According to X-Men Origins Wolverine, Kayla Silverfox, his girlfriend, yes. is the sister of which X-Men character who also appeared in X-Men First Class? Uh, it's Emma Frost. That's right. Yeah, Kayla Silver, played by Lynn Collins, who was kind of a big career until she did that and then did uh, John Carter and it all seemed to fall apart. Uh, your question four, what was the first X-Men film to be nominated for an Oscar? Ooh. I'm... Hmm... I don't know whether the first one was nominated for an Oscar or not. Was it the second one? It's going to be something like X3 The Last Stand, isn't it? Uh, I'm going to go with X-Men The Last Stand. Probably X-Men Days of Future Past was the first time it was nominated for an Oscar. Oh, was it? Which surprises ah. me. But... Yeah, wow, that's quite late. There you go. So if I get uh, this right, I believe I, uh, I believe I've won. Yep. Question five. Um, have you seen The Wolverine? Yes. Yeah. So this should give you the point. Who <laughs> is the big bad of the Wolverine? You see, I think I th- I think this is actually the worst X Men film. I was so bored watching this. Um, it's the it's the Japanese guy who wears the big suit. <laughs> is this how you're going to get all your points, Colin? <laughs> no, yeah, I don't. I don't think you can give me that, and I don't feel like making up a Japanese name because it could be. Uh, could be uh, was it uh, Doctor Yakuza? <laughs> <laughs> So it's the Silver Samurai. That's the one. <laughs> okay. In which case, this uh, I'm too on up. This is for you to pull level your question five. Um, yep. Who is the only character to be played by three different people in the first three X-Men films? Uh, was it Kitty Pride? It was Kitty Pride. Good work. Yeah. There you go. Uh, two all, which makes it, uh, it keeps it two on to me for the year. Yep. Um, Our oh, first draw for the year as well. Yeah, the first draw for the year. Uh, next time we are quizzing on Indiana Jones. Ha! <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, that's all a four. good response. Okay, yep. All four films, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, yes, I'm all four films. I'm trying to think whether I remember any other Indiana Jones films, but yeah. Both well. Uh, what's our main topic for next time, Dijon? Uh, we are looking at films uh, 20 yes. years ago. <laughs> We're looking at films. Next next week is films. Uh, we are, but 1997 in film. 1997 in uh, film. Uh, well, j- tune in then, and uh, thanks for listening. Bye.